Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Michael Neuenschwander, he is a regular here on the program. He's one of my absolute favorite people to talk to when it comes to all things wealth. Not only wealth accumulation, but wealth protection. And the reason why, and often you'll find certain people. Um, who focus on one and others that focus on the other. And I really don't like that kind of hodgepodge approach. I'm a big fan on taking a contextual, holistic view of one's wealth, which is exactly what uh, Michael does with him and his, uh, his firm. Michael, always glad to have you on the, on, on the show. Why don't you real quickly tell us about Out, Outlook Wealth. It's so amazing. I, I had breakfast over the weekend with a friend of mine, who uh, we talked about you quite a bit uh, because you're so frustrated with uh, people who uh, seem to have their favorite thing in, in the investment area but really don't know how to solve or mitigate problems on a larger scale. And uh, I was telling him about your approach. Don't be surprised if you get a call from him uh, because what you do is really quite different. Talk a little bit about that and make sure you give your website. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Always good to be here, and always uh, always appreciate the kind words. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one of you mentioned sort of that hodgepodge approach that many people are sort of facing, and, and I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's why Outlook Wealth Advisors ex- exists. And you know, as you said we can always find us at outlookwealthhuman dot com. But the you know, it goes back to my own family getting some uh, some bad advice or advice where they uh, you know. They had a broker, they had a, an insurance person, they had a tax person, but at the, at the end of the day, nobody was actually looking to see how do those pieces actually fit together. You know, what are the, the interactions or the side effects from making decisions in one area, and how does that play into the into the next? And that's uh, ultimately that's really what uh, comprehensive or holistic planning should address is making sure that you know the investment side is working in coordination with with the taxes with your in Income or distribution plan, as well as your sort of your estate or your your healthcare plans, so that you know, so that things don't fall through the cracks. That you really have a true you know a true plan that addresses all those critical areas. And now more than ever, I think you know the end of the year we we talk uh, you and I talk a lot about uh, wrapping it up nicely, but also the beginning of the year is a good time about thinking over about the next twelve months and how to do things better. That's going to be a lot of our focus today. Kind of give us that panoramic overview about the things you're talking to your clients about. Yeah, if we had to think of sort of two two major, two to three major themes of what we see going on here in 2024, you know, one of them is going to be the election, which we'll come back to, but that'll definitely throw some uh, throw some extra wrinkles or curves into the year. Um, the other is simply as we're looking and saying we're uh, we're now in the last two years of our current you know historically low tax rates, and so those will be changing, but definitely things people should be taking advantage of. And then the other, as we look and says we're now in a period where we're in uh, declining interest rates as opposed to rising interest rates that we've been in in the last three years, and that will typically say that you know probably some investment landscape is changing because of that as well. So certainly lots that people should be thinking about or be planning for you know as we enter into 2024. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that holistic approach, not just uh, wealth accumulation, but wealth protection. A lot of different things. And so we are now full swing in the election season. 
Uh, there's a whole lot of shock of how well the economy seems to be doing, but there's also a sense of it being extremely fragile. When I look at, think about the importance of uh, supply chain, and we always uh, think about COVID-type related issues, but there's more than just that. And war can be one of the biggest supply chain disruptors. The cost of goods being transported from much of the world is going up at a J-curve pace uh, mm-hmm. because of what's going on in the uh, in the Middle East, you know. And so there's a lot going on. And so, yeah, quote, good times, but uh, we've got a lot that uh, I think is extremely worrisome. Yeah, yes. And and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head that at the at the moment everything is still looking pretty good. There's there's less talk about a full blown recession that was obviously the big concern you know as we entered into 23. But as we look at that now, there's certainly some things that we're seeing that uh, while everything is doing pretty well. Uh, Things that cause some concern. You know, you mentioned some that obviously, uh, from the overseas point of view, I mean, we can get dragged into more and more. Which obviously it seems it seems like we are. Maybe not necessarily on the surface, but uh, you know, here recently with uh, the unfortunate loss of of a couple of Navy SEALs, but they were basically proving that Iran is is definitely funding and providing you know the military support you know to uh, uh, to the to the groups in Yemen and are we going to get pulled into more and more and and obviously that you know can change the landscape certainly cause uh, spikes in oil spikes in in uh, supply chain and you know, just the cost of delivering goods. The the other here at home, of course, you know, we are beginning to see, you know, upticks in uh, you know, credit card defaults, you know, auto repossessions. And so, you know, signs that while the consumer has really hung in there and kept the economy out of a recession the last two years, maybe the consumer is beginning to feel a little tapped out when we look in a broad sense. Yeah, absolutely. Very overextended. It's, it's the kind of distraction you don't want. You would like to see an economy where people are uh, in growth mo- mode, kind of in offense mode rather than defense mode. And there's just a, a strong sense of uh, a need for extreme caution uh, interspersed with moments of almost odd euphoria in the market, <laughs> you know, and so which makes more cautious investors look at that and say, "Hmm, I need to be even more cautious." Uh, it's a very weird time, almost uh, schizophrenic. Yeah, and sometimes you can have those those self fulfilling prophecies, which is almost like what we had before, where if you you talk yourself so much about recession, do you put yourself in one because you start behaving that way, or uh, on the other end, you know, that's kind of where we're in that precarious state, and say it looks like we've avoided the recession, but maybe maybe not. You know, we're still sort of waiting to see how the consumer can really hang in there over the next quarter or two. Yeah, absolutely. Talk a, a little bit about, uh, you know, let's go into a little more about the tax cuts that are going to disappear, something you pointed out, that you know, I've watched tax stories quite a bit. Back in the 80s, showing my age, I was a policy analyst on uh, tax issues and so fiscal policy issues. But I had never thought about the fact that in the history of tax policy, um, they have never uh, maintained, you know, came, came in and rescued a tax cut whose time had run out. They just let it run out. The tax environment becomes horrible again, often becomes a referendum issue for another politician to uh, to get elected so they can lower taxes. Um, but never, never have they maintained a tax cut. And you're now talking something that's only two years away. 
Um, so to me, that's very disconcerting. Yeah, yeah, and and I think they strategically plan it so when it when it expires, it happens to not be a presidential election cycle, but it'll definitely be a congressional election cycle, and so there'll be a lot of campaigning, a lot of uh, you know ringing ringing of hands, saying it's not their fault, but it's the other guy's fault. You know, when it comes to uh, when it comes to you know those congressional races, but for all of us as as consumers and taxpayers, I mean the bottom line, as you pointed out, and we've touched on before, you know, in the history of the IRS, they've never extended, you know, a tax bill that was set to expire. And so therefore, you know, when we look across the board, 2024 and 2025 are our last years of of lower taxes under the Trump tax cuts from 17. Come 2026, on average, tax rates go back up about 20%. And the standard deduction, of course, goes down at the same time. So for for most general consumers, you know, we're going to be facing a higher tax bill um, just after we're maybe just barely getting over the effects of higher inflation, you know, for a couple of years. So it's sort of a, a, a double whammy that's coming. Um, and that's where tax strategy comes in. Without you know, we could spend a whole other show, you know, whole hours talking on that. But in very simple terms, you know, people need to be thinking about um, how could they potentially recognize income earlier. So meaning whether that's Roth conversions in retirement accounts, whether it's a sale of a business that's pending, how you structure things, you may be better off recognizing income early or. or on purpose over the next couple of years. And then if you have big deductions or things that will generate a big tax loss or a deduction, that may actually be more valuable to you to sit on that for a year or two. Now, there's all the nuances and strategies to go around it, but in a in a quick short uh, short segment, you know that's that's part of the theme of tax planning. You know, how do you put those pieces together to to, to put yourself in that better situation? Yeah, absolutely, very very important. Um, I think that, that people, and again, and, and be very careful about as a listener about what you are hearing about tax cuts because I, I'm no fan of either party. You, you and I have talked about this, especially in recent years how it seems like both parties are having a contest to see which can be the most bizarre. Uh, but, you know, there's different types of tax cuts, and the Republicans generally, with all their faults, like to encourage tax cuts that encourage wealth creation. People can talk all the time how much they hate wealthy people, which seems to be a very popular pastime, but you can't benefit the larger society without wealth creation. Uh, and that's where uh, their tax cuts go. There's a whole different type of consumer-oriented tax cuts, which do virtually nothing to spur economic growth, uh, very little. Uh, they just make you feel good because you were able to buy a, you know, a, a slightly larger TV, <laughs> you know, but, but uh, do very little to actually change things structure-wise, tax-wise, to incentivize people, and incentives do matter. Well, and, and to your point, I mean, there tends to be the uh, the politically popular to to villainize wealthy people. But I mean, let's just take the two most extreme examples and say, well, if uh, if Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk hadn't started Amazon or Tesla, yeah, they're both super wealthy, among the richest people in the world. But how many jobs have they created because they built those companies? And so, if you if you vilify you know people that uh, create the companies or create the jobs, or you make disincentives for 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 people to to you know early on put put their neck out and take the risk to try to make a company, then uh, 
you know, overall that leaves us all worse off, not better. Yeah, no question about that. And not to mention the kind of things that they bring that uh, makes things that uh, historically cost a lot of money to make our lives easier at, at a very, very low cost. I think, for example, I love books. I read a lot of books. I read enough books. And I get them, you know, for what I do in my industry, I get more books than I ever asked for. Unfortunately, they are not always the books I want. <laughs> and so, for example, Kindle's Unlimited mem- membership, which is like $12 a month, I gladly pay that every month because I read three or four books a month. It's, some, it's mm-hmm. my hobby. People have hobbies. That's mine. And uh, things like that that are so innovative, so cost-effective, and uh, it, it has been driven by these barons of industry, as they like to say with, uh, with uh, disdain, that uh, makes, makes them ac- accessible. So I'm a fan of, all, of a lot of that. Yes, can they get carried away? Certainly. Is there crony capitalism on steroids? Does it mm-hmm. need to be checked? You bet. But, uh, yeah, I think they should be careful on how we treat uh, certain things, or all things, rather, that makes us in the net better off. As we begin to wrap it up, final thoughts, and particularly talk to the individual out there who's looking at his or her economic uh, situation, their tax situation, as we wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, as we boil it down to sort of the individual investor, the individual out there, I mean, there's a few a few themes we kind of touch on for 24. We mentioned a, mentioned some, but when you break it down and say, what can you practically do you know, as we look at things? This is, uh, you know, historically, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but historically, presidential election years are good for the market. Uh, but it looks like we're going to have a redo of 2020. It looks like what's going to happen. And so it says, uh, because of that, there'll be some extra volatility, some extra risk, as we mentioned. And international things may come up. So the, the biggest thing as we're heading into 24 would be on the investment end for investors to check you know, check their risk. You know, how, you know, how exposed are you? Generally, I'm a big believer in equities in the long run, but you know, don't take too much risk in the short run that you blow yourself up. So check check your risk there. And on the tax end, you said we're still in that that uh, funny time period where you can still do some things for 23, you know, before we hit those deadlines, and also plan for 24. So those are the two big areas where I think people can make a lot of a lot of impact and a lot of smart choices as we head into 24 to make sure you're starting off on the right foot and and making good long-term decisions as well. Michael Neuenschwander, we love having you on the program. Always look forward to every interview. Always get great feedback every time you're on. Make sure you check out Outlook Wealth Advisors' website at outlookwealth.com. I am Kevin Price. You're listening to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. Stay tuned for more after this. <laughs> 